Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3 how the line of Cain is in the atheists we see today in the world, and we must have compassion, pray, and warn them to be reconciled to God. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on the Friendship with God radio program, is a Jewish born-again Christian and founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism ministry reaching the most lost people group in the world, the Jewish people. Now, Tom Cantor has this radio program to edify you as the believer, but also to encourage you to reach lost Jewish people around you, your coworkers, your neighbors, maybe a family member, a friend, or maybe even a Jewish Israeli who's working in one of the malls during Christmas and Hanukkah time selling products at kiosks like curling irons and Dead Sea Salts. So help us reach lost Jewish people and support this Bible teaching radio program with your gift of any amount today, or we'll send you a free gift to reach your lost Jewish friend. Either way, call us at 800 247 3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is Tom Cantor. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, yet a little while, it says, and the wicked shall not be, and thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall light themselves in the abundance of peace. Now do it down to verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he will not. He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I've been old, and now I'm old, I've been young, and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. God says the problem for us with regard to the line of Cain, with regard to those who prosper in the world, who are without God, is we fret, verses 1 and 8. Is we envy, verse 1. Is we get angry and wrathful, verse 8. And the solution is, God says, understand their situation of how temporary their good life is. Verse 2, soon be cut off, wither. Verse 10, little while they will not be. You won't even be able to find them. You go looking for them. By understanding their situation, we are to have compassion on them. Seek to bring them true riches, which is salvation from their sins. They're heading right down the middle of the road to hell. Right down the middle of the road to hell. Pray for them. They have so much money, so much fortune, but they're on death's row. And I got one question. How good can a meal be when you're on death's row? What is it that this world, what is it that you can tell the prison guards of all the restaurants in the world, go get this for me? How good can it be? Is it a Ruth Chris steak? Maybe you don't like Ruth Chris steak, anyway. Or what is it? How good can it be? Because you're on death row. And that overshadows. Feel that. Feel that. Lostness, that emptiness. And pray for them. Now, I mentioned on the list of, of atheists, Ray Romano, from the TV series Everybody Loves Raymond. Anybody ever see that? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) So he's worth over $100 million today. His show was on for nine years, and he walked away when it was all done with over $100 million. He had nothing when he came here from Queens, New York. And Steve Croft from 60 Minutes was at the last recording of his show, Everybody Loves Raymond. And that was in May of 2005. And Steve Croft told what happened at that last recording session. So here's the last recording session, 
And Ray Romano addresses everyone on the set. And of course he does. He thanks them for all their hard work during the, during the run of the show. And, but they all wanted to know, Ray, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? What's next in your life? And so he told them. And he stood up there and he had a tear in his eye. And Ray Romano reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a paper that he had kept for nine years. He said this, nine years ago, I left Queens, New York with nothing. I was a struggling comedian. Today, I have succeeded, as Everybody Loves Raymond was the most popular CBS comedy. But nine years ago, when I left New York for L.A., my brother put this piece of paper in my pocket, and it's a scripture. And then he read from the paper, Mark 8.36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And he told the group these words, Now I'm going to go work on my soul. Who knew what was going on inside Ray Romano's life? As the world saw him as the happy guy on TV named Ray and wildly successful, who knew that for nine years Ray Romano was carrying around with him a secret piece of paper that his brother gave him? Wouldn't you like to be that brother? Be that brother. Be that brother. Be that friend who sees sees someone taking a deep breath and saying, I'm going to go gain the world and put a piece of paper in their pocket like his brother did. Who knew that for nine years, Ray Romano was worried about what that scripture said on that piece of paper? Who knew that for nine years, Ray Romano was thinking to himself, I'm gaining the world and losing my soul. Who knew that was going on in him for nine years? TV audience, they didn't know. The colleagues, they didn't know. Who knew? Ray Romano knew, and God knew. And God allowed, graciously, Ray Romano to live during those nine years as he was in the process of gaining the world and losing his soul. And God has allowed Ray Romano to continue to live today. Now, why did God allow Ray Romano to live for those nine years and for today? For one purpose, because of what it says in 1 Timothy 2.4, that God will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. First Timothy 2.4, that God will have Ray Romano to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Because of what it says in First Peter, Second Peter 3.9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Same verse. The Lord is not willing that Ray Romano should perish, but that Ray Romano should come to repentance. So pray for Ray Romano. And the other atheists who have gained the world, that they would not lose their souls. Pray that the gracious God would continue to put Christians in their paths, like his brother, presume, who would proclaim the gospel, and that they would turn with their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that, that these people would realize that a person does not work on his soul to, gain, to save his soul. He simply surrenders his lost, sinful soul as a repentant sinner to the Lord Jesus Christ and receives the free gift of salvation. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on the Friendship with God radio program in just a moment. We want to remind you that all of Tom Cantor's messages on Friendship with God are free by going to our website, friendshipwithgod.org. 
friendshipwithgod.org. Also available on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. And it's all made available free because of your support to the Friendship with God radio program, which allows us to stay broadcasting on this station in this city. And we need your support, whether one-time or monthly donation, to continue airing this Bible teaching radio program, this Old Testament teaching radio program. We want to encourage you to continue to support or start supporting the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor. And you can do so by calling us now or after the program at 800 247 3051-800-247-3051. Any donation of $10 or more, and we'll send you two great resources from Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. Now, understanding, when we understand how close these people are to hell and praying for their real problems, time is running out. That's a problem. Time is running out desperately for them to come to the Lord Jesus Christ that will cure us from envying them and what they have. Now, the next problem of anger and wrath, the solution is to, what I like to call, stay within our pay scale. Stay within our pay scale. You know, we take verses 3 and 7 and turn them around, like I said, and now you go to Psalm 73, verse 2 through 8. And here, this passage says, But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compassed them about as a chain. Violence covers them as garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness and have more than heart could wish. They have everything they want. They're corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. Their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are run out to them. And they say, the wicked say, how doth God know? And is their knowledge in the, in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And then the Psalm of David says, verily, I've, I've cleansed my heart in vain. I wasted my time, is what he's saying. And, and wash my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, uh, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until, verse 17, I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I, that's what we need, an understanding, their end. Surely thou hast set them in slippery places, thou hast cast them down in destruction, Verse 19, it talks about them being brought into desolation as in a moment, utterly consumed with terrors. Drop down for verse um, 23. But nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou holdest, hast holding me by my right hand. Verse 24, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Afterward, receive me to glory, and so forth. But verse 27, for lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord. Why? that I may declare all thy works. God says in this psalm, if we focus on the superficial of what the ungodly and who prosper in the world are and have, if we look at their prosperity, if we look at their pride, if we look at how they seem to have everything they want, if we look at their personal corruption of their lives, if we look at their lofty and God-defying speech and how they just seem to be exempt from God's judgment and how it seems that God doesn't even notice or care about what they are seeming to get away with. If we look at that, 
We will be tempted to be angry and wrathful, but that's above our pay scale. The wrath of God is God's pay scale. That's not our pay scale. Vengeance is God's pay scale. That's not our pay scale. If we focus on all that about them, here's what's going to happen to us. It will be like we're losing our footing. and We're ready to slip. We lose our confidence. We lose our assurance. And that's what is propelling us to preach the gospel. But as for me, my, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. We'll feel that we're wasting our time living for God. Why shouldn't we just give up, dive into the world with the rest of them? And that's what he meant when he said, I have cleansed my heart in vain. And the heart pain will be unbearable. When I thought to know this, it was too, too painful for me. We will become silent, all bound up and in danger of not only uh, getting ourselves greatly discouraged, which happens, but discouraging others. And so we will go into ourselves like a little shell and afraid to speak, because if we reveal what we're really thinking, if I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. But what do we do to keep these things from happening to us? Verse 17, how it all turned around for David when he took a walk. And where did David take the walk to? He walked to the sanctuary of God. And, where, and, and what did he do there? When he, he, he saw, and what he saw there in the sanctuary cured him of all the problems of his envy and of his discouragement and from focusing on the world. Because what did he see when he went in there? He saw the same thing that you, walked, you would see when you walked into the outer court of the tabernacle. You saw two things. You saw the laver and you saw the brazen altar. And you looked at the place of death when you looked at the place of the brazen altar. And, and, and David knew when he saw that God's going to judge sin. And without God's sacrifice, that's what that brazen altar spoke of, without God's sacrifice, their sin will never be forgotten. Apart from God's sacrifice, there's no sin that's going to be forgiven. Apart from God's sacrifice, there's no sin that's going to be put behind God's back. Apart from God's sacrifice, there's no sin that's going to be cast into the depths of the sea. Apart from God's sacrifice, the whole record's coming back. Even every idle word, as he said in Matthew 12, 36, I say unto you, every idle word men shall speak, they shall give account of the day of judgment. God saw, when David saw this altar, this is what it all, he realized God has provided a sacrifice for their sins, and without that provided sacrifice, no chance. No way. Because if a person neglects, or a person ignores, or a person disregards God's provided sacrifice, it's clear from Hebrews 2, 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great self-sacrifice? The Lord Jesus Christ said of himself, he said, I'm the door, by me if any man enter in, he'll be safe, saved. Go in and out and find pastors. To neglect the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God's great sacrifice, is to try to climb up into heaven by some other way. By some other way. That's what he meant when he said in John 10, 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way. Think of those words. Climbeth up some other way. The same as a thief and a robber. It's clear. The saved go to heaven through the door of the Lord Jesus Christ. The lost try to climb into heaven by some other way. And there's many other ways. And the greatness of God is this provided sacrifice that he has. Who knew God himself would become a man, that he as the perfect man would take all of our sins on himself and die for us? There's absolutely no way for a person to escape God's judgment if he neglects that, if he ignores the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means in, John, in Hebrews 10, 
30 to 31, for we know that uh, we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing to fall. It's a fearful thing to fall, but it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands or be caught in the hands of the living God, of an angry God. 10, 28, 29. He that despised Moses' law, he died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite or insulted the Spirit of grace. What was David impressed with? What should we be impressed with when we consider the brazen altar, when we consider the cross, that the ungodly who prosper in the world, they don't have God's provided sacrifice. And they've ignored and neglected the Lord Jesus Christ. And their failure to respond to God and receive the Lord as God and Savior leaves them with no escape. And by taking his name in vain, in swear words, and and they walked all over the Son of God and concluded or counted the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as unholy. And they insulted the Holy Spirit. They are about to fearfully fall into the hands of of the living God. Their punishment will be sorer than just breaking the Ten Commandments. And as these truths, they sink into us, they should, they not only cure us from our envy of them who are prospering in the world, but they break our heart for them. And so that we can, we can see all through their houses, their cars, their vacations, their wealth to see their absolute poverty. And we realize the richest people on the earth have the Lord Jesus Christ because they have life. And the poorest people on the earth do not have the Lord Jesus Christ because they do not have life, according to 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's why Richard Dawkins, before a debate recently with a creationist, said to him, I would love to have the peace you have because Isaiah 48, 22 says there's no peace. There is low shalom. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. So, we look at ourselves and say, okay, we need to have this compassion for the lost, for the ungodly who prosper in the world. But I feel envy for what they have. I get angry when they blaspheme God. I'm frustrated when they don't respond to the gospel. So how am I supposed to get this? Take a walk to the cross. Take a walk to the cross. Our next service, we're, we're going to have a time of breaking bread, communion. In that time, If that time is going to be successful for us, then we will in our minds take a walk to the cross. If it's going to be a success for us, the next service, we have that time, we will in our minds do what David said, we'll go into the sanctuary of God and the same outer court and the two objects there that we'll find. First, we'll find the laver, and the bottom of the laver is covered with the mirrors, and then we'll see the brazen altar for the sacrifices. And if our time of breaking of bread is going to be a success for us, three things are going to happen. First, we will immediately go to the laver, And bending over the laver, we're going to see ourselves, we'll examine ourselves, and we will confess any sin. But second, quickly turn away from the laver to the altar. Quickly stop thinking about ourselves. Quickly start thinking about the sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a trap to just think about yourself. Do you realize, we realize that, that it's very easy to become introspective. It's very easy to do what Proverbs 18.2 says, the fool has said it hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. We don't need to discover any more about our heart. We've discovered enough. And as we turn to the altar, 
then we'll think of how the Lord Jesus Christ loved us by humbling himself for us, by dying for our sins, by suffering, and we'll worship him. And that will be a great success. But there's a third thing. If that time will be successful, then we will think of the lost who don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, God's provided sacrifice. We will walk out of that time, that service, with a broken heart. We will say with Paul those words that he said when he said, I have a continual burden in my heart. I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren and my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites. We will, we will say in Romans 10.1, Brethren, my heart's desire prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. We will have the prayer of Jeremiah where he said in Jeremiah 9.1, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of my, the daughter of my people. In other words, we'll say, Lord, turn my head into a reservoir and make these eyes Niagara Falls. So I just cry day and night for the lost. That should be our attitude toward the line of Cain, the lost. That should be our prayer for the line of Cain, the lost. And our action, our action to them, to the lost, the line of Cain, is to tell them, Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto men once to die. After that, the judgment. Warn them, warn them. And then, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. One, assume your identity. Put your badge on. Your badge says ambassador for Christ. Two, beg them to be reconciled to God. People can tell. If you're begging them, they can see it in your eyes. They can feel it in your handshake. They can see it in your body language. And they can hear it in your voice when you are pleading with them, as the scripture says, begging them to be reconciled to God. Explain what God did for them. He hath made. God did this. God hath made. God, this is a work of God. It's not a work of yours. It's a work of God. God hath made him to be sin for us. Explain why he did it. For us. He hath made him to be sin for us. In other words, his love. Explain who he did this to. The Lord Jesus Christ he knew no sin, sinless, and God himself. And explain God's purpose to make us what we are not, righteous, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And explain all of this destination that God has and the destination are two words, in him. That's the destination that God has for man, to be in Christ, to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the purpose and the destination of it all. That's what God is doing. He says that's what it means when it says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's what God is doing. That's what we should do when it comes to the line of Cain, the lost. We seek to convert them from being in the line of the lost to convert them over to getting in the line of the saved from Cain's line to Seth's line before it's too late. And that's the message of Psalm 37 and Psalm 73, before it's too late. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, having a heart for the line of Cain, because we were there. We were in that line. And such were some of us. And we were all there, Lord, with our own particular sins. But you, in your great mercy, you cried out to us. 
don't let the sinner die. And we heard your call, and we converted from one line to the other. And thank you, Lord, that you love to take wild olive branches and graft them in and help us to be, Lord, experts at gardening and grafting. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another challenging message from Tom Cantor telling us to reach out to atheists who are part of the line of Cain, and we need to have compassion on them, pray for them, and warn them to be reconciled to God. Great teaching here, and if you enjoy this Bible teaching radio program with Tom Cantor, we need your support, monthly or one time, by calling us at 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. If you enjoy the Friendship with God radio program, And any donation of $10 or more, we will send you these two great resources from Tom Cantor, our Jewish born-again Bible-believing teacher here on Friendship with God, his two writings on how a Jew learned the true meaning of Christmas, a great gift to give out to anybody, Jew or Gentile, at Christmas or Hanukkah time, and also how a Jew came to know and put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, a great account of his personal testimony and struggle to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, two great resources from Tom Cantor. Any donation of $10 or more, we'll send these to you for your support of the Friendship with God radio program. So call us at 800 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. And remember, Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries has free gifts to give to lost Jewish friends or people that you know, or even Israelis that are in the mall selling gifts at Christmas and Hanukkah time that you run into. So if you know of a lost Jewish person or Israeli working in a mall and you need a gospel gift to give to them, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or we have an online form at friendshipwithgod.org that you can fill out. Friendshipwithgod.org for more information or to donate and support this Bible teaching radio program. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God.